Hello everyone and welcome to Space Spiels. My name is Paige Kaufman and I am an undergraduate astronautical engineering student at the University of Southern California. On this podcast, we will talk about all things aerospace. We will discover how people got where they are in industry and their experience of the culture and community on the way. Enjoy! Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode. Today I talked with Elle Barker. Elle is an amazing student here at USC. She studies aerospace engineering and she is an Air Force, now a Space Force ROTC student. So she was one of 10 across the nation who was chosen to be in the Space Force ROTC program, uh, graduating in May 2026. Um, recently and she went to field training and she's literally making history. Uh, never mind, she has an amazing sense of style and is just the sweetest, bubbliest person. So I knew I had to have her on the podcast and she agreed. And honestly, this is one of my favorite episodes ever. So I know it's longer, but thank you so much for clicking on it. And I really encourage you to listen to it all through because she has some amazing things to say. And I really resonated with a lot that she was saying. And I just left this conversation smiling and having more motivation to do, you know, what I'm doing. So I really hope that you guys uh, like this episode and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, so welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited. I've had a friend crush on you, like literally forever, seeing you in classes, and I've never got the opportunity to talk to you. So this is a perfect excuse. I also think you're very cool, and I'm sorry we like didn't connect, because I feel like we've been in classes like multiple times, and it just never happened, so I'm really glad you know me. There's just a lot of material, and every time we're trying to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you're from Utah? Is that where you are right now? Sort of, kind of, yeah. So that's where I live right now. Um, just, okay. I'm not the only person in my family that's headed into the military or out of the military. So okay. uh, both my parents actually met as Air Force ROTC cadets. And so oh. I've lived in like four different states, but Utah is the easy answer because I've lived there the longest. Gotcha. Did you always think that aerospace was for you when you were younger? Because no. Yeah, no. And it's actually funny, like, even, like, buying these earrings, like, NASA's cool and all, but, like, it was never really something yeah. I was super into. Like, we we lived in Virginia. Uh, the base out there is Langley Eustis, which is Air Combat Command, and my dad, fighter pilot. But there okay. was, like, a NASA uh, installment nearby. And I remember we drove past it all the time, but it never was, like, you know, it'd be cool to be an astronaut. I feel like a lot of people think that. But, like, right, right. it was never really, like, a serious thing for me. Like, when I applied to USC, I applied as biomedical engineering. Um, oh. And then I immediately was, like, actually, I have no interest in that. I do not want to do a chemistry <laughs> track. I want to avoid yeah. that if I can. And then when I found out, like, aerospace and mechie, like, that was just not something we had to worry about. I don't know. Mm-hmm. My high school experience with chemistry was not the best so I didn't really want to take that into uh, college but uh, going into aerospace was kind of an easier decision once I got my scholarship for Air Force ROTC where I was like well air (laughs) engineering (laughs) right and so uh, yeah and that was the kind of the easy math that I did. Did you apply ROTC to all the colleges that you applied to? At least at USC, that's not really how it works, at least for high school scholarships, because that's what I got. So okay. there's I have a, no idea how it works. So yeah, please no, you're good. It's not me. something that a lot of people <laughs> yeah. do. So I'm happy to yeah, do that. yeah. Uh, specifically for Air Force, I don't know how it works for other branches, uh, reserve officer training corps programs, but for Air Force, you have a high school scholarship and then you have an in-college scholarship. 
and I was a high school scholarship admin. So my senior year of high school, I want to say, or was it my junior year? One or the other. I think it was my senior year. You go through, you do like a physical fitness assessment, you do a couple interviews, and then uh, you submit an application of like your leadership experience up to that point and your grades, all that kind of stuff. And then it is run entirely separate from your like college admissions process. They don't really intersect until after you're confirmed as a scholarship recipient. Because then um, the places that you're looking at college-wise are going to try and connect with you. Yeah, so the way that ROTC works, it's like, I knew I was going to apply because my parents were like, if you don't get enough merit aid to cover your full scholarship Mm -hmm. or your full tuition, you're going to go for ROTC. And I was like, (laughs) we're going to try and run up that merit aid uh, and see what we can do. And I got like uh, the U is a really great school. A lot of my friends go there. I was looking at going there if they could get me the full ride because then ROTC became a non-issue. Uh, right. But they gave me like this tier below full ride. And I was like, mm-hmm. if I can get out of Utah, I would. So yeah. And then when I got the full ride through ROTC, I was like, baller, we're out. <laughs> so, <laughs> really, that's that really nice. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, I love that. Okay. Okay. Very cool. So did you ever like not like the military growing up in a military family? And we're like, I'm never going into this or like we're apprehensive. I feel like kind of mixed bag because mm-hmm. I think as a kid, you typically uh, PCS, so permanent change of station every three or so years around there. Okay. And so like, I remember I was born in Alaska. Whoa. Like, that's just, that's, that's where cool my, fun fact. <laughs> yeah, no, fun fact. Yeah. But, yeah. My <laughs> older brother and I were both born in Alaska. My sister was born actually in California. Um, okay. And so like we lived in Alaska twice, which was really cool. Cause I don't remember, you know, growing up there as a small infant, but the second time around was pretty neat. Um, and the frequent moving made it difficult. I feel like it's a unique experience to not live in one place for most of your childhood. Like every time we would move, people would be like, what's that like? Because I've been in X place my, you know, my whole life and I'll be here until mm-hmm. perhaps college or a career, you know, draws me out. Right. Um, and so I kind of had this opportunity every time we moved to like change myself on purpose mm-hmm. which saying that out loud kind of sounds a little interesting but like you <laughs> would move and I would like change schools right and so no one would know who right. I was before and I would kind of right. like pick and choose what I wanted to keep with me when I went mm-hmm. to third grade well as that's like to- it's like a new year but like more extreme kind of it sounds yeah. weird and toxic but you <laughs> could really like make some good changes though right like and, I see the good yeah. like yeah. I liked it I mean, you yeah. can talk to my siblings about it too. And like, we've talked to like, uh, you know, how you kind of compare your childhoods because you all grow up in right. the same house, but you have very different experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they have a little bit of a different relationship with how our family kind of moved. But mm-hmm. I actually really liked it. And I think it made the transition from high school to college a lot easier, I will say, because it was just another move. And it was kind of oh, just yeah. the first time that like my family wasn't coming with me necessarily. But it was, the, it felt the same. I packed up all my things. I moved to this new place. I was responsible yeah. for myself, which was challenging. But like, I'd done that, you know, four or five times already. And so right. it wasn't anything too crazy. I think the other yeah. thing that kind of comes out of my experience with being a military dependent would be uh, parents being, the dynamic just being a little different. Just because mm-hmm. the nature of my dad's work made him physically distant because he would be 
sometimes deployed. I think I don't remember the longest of his deployments because I was too young at the time, but there was one while we lived here where he was out for just under six months, I want to say. a long time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's like typically the maximum amount of time you're deployed. Uh, sometimes it's, I can't speak too closely to this because that was all I had experienced, but that's usually about right. far. Um, and that was challenging, but at that point, I think I was in high school, so it was not as bad. I might have been in like junior high or something, but yeah. So I, I grew up in a in a household where I would sometimes not realize that my dad wasn't home because I would just assume that he was like, doing work out of the state at the very least right yeah uh, yeah and so like sometimes he'd come home from work and I'd be like oh you're not you're not on a trip <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no>. hi <laughs> yeah. so yeah. I think that was one thing that was interesting because my parents didn't really work a nine-to-five and like my mom started out uh, also in the force so that was really challenging for them being double duty with like two kids and she left shortly after I was born because they were Okay. There's this whole story in our family about how that happened, yeah. but she separated essentially because the okay. family policies that existed in the Air Force in the early 2000s as opposed to now were a lot more extreme. And so it was very difficult for both of their careers to coexist with kids. I've noticed that you have your artistic side, just bit, like yeah. from your style, from I saw your dancing, you saw I saw you on Instagram earlier today, I'm <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> Uh, but the military it's traditionally like very regimented at least yeah. from an outside perspective so and I know it's like a little bit different while you're still in school but have you felt like you're still able to have that complete like life balance and keep that kind of side to you while doing ROTC? I think that's one of the cool things about ROTC as a commissioning program as opposed to going to like the academy and the other one is OTS mm -hmm. which is officer training school which you do after you've completed your education typically Okay. Uh, and so you're like, you know what, civilian private enterprise is not for me. I want to go military. And so you'll go. Mm -hmm. It's very competitive, really hard to get into. Um, so ROTC, I feel like is kind of this interesting sweet spot because um, the scholarship opportunity is very slow. I'll just put that up front. I love I love that debt free. Very yes, um, absolutely. And then what's interesting when you compare like the academy, which is still an academic institution, but it's it's a military training academy, right? Um, versus mm -hmm. ROTC is the way that the military training shows up. So for me as an ROTC cadet, it's about six hours per week that I'm putting in in uniform, right? So I have like physical training twice a week. I have leadership laboratory, which is like our uh, training exercises that we run for leadership development. And then there's uh, aerospace studies class, which depending on what year you are in the program, it can be like Air Force history and culture or leadership development and team building. Um, the year I'm going into now as a junior, it's more of developing a leadership style because now you're in charge of actually running the training as an upperclassman as opposed to being trained as an underclassman. So right. uh, those make up the bulk of our formal training. And outside of that, I get to mostly just be a student. So I'm you know, going to classes, I'm going out, I'm having a social life as best I can with engineering and ROTC, you know. Uh, yeah. I've gotten more active on campus, so I'm a part of student government as well. And so it's just kind of like... Oh, really? What are you in student government? So there was a new student assembly that was formed in the fall. It, we've been working on it for like three years before I got here. It, it kind of predates oh, wow. me. 
but yeah. there was no formal student assembly for military associated students and usc is really interesting because it kind of has a richer history with military branches we're one mm -hmm. of the few universities that has a naval air force and army rotc uh detachments on campus that's not really common you'll usually see like an army oh, okay. one an air force one maybe one or two but rarely do you see three um and so there's a good bunch of, and then our veteran population is also really big because of how um, USC works its uh, veteran benefits program. So there's a specific mm -hmm. master of business that is catered to veterans. Um, and then there's just this whole community of veterans on campus. And we were not integrated at all. Like Air Force doesn't talk to Army, Army doesn't talk to Navy, we don't talk oh, to each other. Uh, that's then, like, so interesting. The veterans yeah. were like, completely removed from ROTC. And it was really yeah. weird because like even then you have like, military dependents who would have like shared experiences like mine right right and there's no events for that there's no programming for that there's no mm -hmm. advocacy like if you have say uh, you're a disabled veteran and you want maybe like a reserved parking spot or something because parking is such a commodity on campus that's yeah. just not a thing that we have um and so and then like even to talk about like homeless populations and how veterans right. are overrepresented in unhoused uh communities mental health, like all these different things that particularly yeah. tie into your military background. Yeah. There's just nothing on campus for that, really. And so we were like, well, let's make one. So That's upperclassmen it. who have now graduated were like laying all the foundation for the creation of a student assembly for military associated students. And I was part of the last leg to really push it through to completion. And now it's been established. It was formally established in the spring, confirmed in the fall really arduous progress because excuse me yeah yes just because there is a bit of a anti-military sentiment to an extent in some of the student government uh groups just because yeah. you're getting kind of a broad selection of people and political ideologies and right. i totally get it it's like for me you're kind of asking like do i have any anti-military sort of experiences right yeah dependent status a little bit some of the ways that you know like the branch or the service will kind of chew you up and spit you out to an extent or just like mm -hmm. the way that military service is also something that weighs on the family that you're a part of as well as just you being a service member those are tough things and not things that necessarily yeah. make you love the military all that much right right but when we talk about like making the military a better place or like a better uh, career path and stuff like that nothing changes unless something changes right and so you're trying Absolutely. to diversify and empower and all these things and that only happens when you support people going into the service that want to make those changes so like me wow beautiful liking, said. oh <laughs> thank you <laughs> but like me yeah. not liking the military and going into the right. military anyway is potentially right. going to make the military better and Absolutely. so being someone on the outside of the military who doesn't like the military and you don't want to see say the student assembly be created because of mm -hmm. the horrible things that the US military yeah. has done internationally, and we're in right? Los Angeles and yeah, yeah. Hey, no one's saying that things that the US military did were perfect. For me first, right? I, I will say yeah. yes. yikes guys. What do you think? <laughs> right? But that's the military then and I'm trying to be the military in the future. And let's yeah. let's try and make that not happen and be better, right? And so it's this whole like knock down drag out try and make it to the end to get confirmed because in order to become a student assembly you have to get the approval of a majority of the directors of existing student assemblies 
which means their funding goes down because it's a collective pile, right? And so if you add uh, a new one, that kind of strings your portion of the pie. So it was this whole thing. And we yeah. finally got to the end of it in the fall semester. So we're formalized now. Uh, and so I'll be helping run operations probably until I graduate. But right now I'm yeah. an advocacy liaison is my formal title. Awesome. What's the group called officially so I can keep an eye out? Yeah, the Joint Assembly for Military Associated Students, shortened to JAMS. Oh, love a good acronym as yes, a space we, girl. We. <laughs> yes. Yes. As, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, the military as well. I'm sure you guys yeah, have a fat book. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so you got into the Space Force also, yes. which was the other thing where I was like, oh my God, that's awesome. Really cool so thing, yes. That was that was newer since after yes, you that's got a, into RFC, that's completely right? new. Yes. So So how did the application work? Give me the rundown. Right. So um, this is all very new, right? Because the Space Force mm -hmm. was just stood up in 2019. So it's only four years old. And it's not even, I think. It turns four in December. So she's she's oh, a kindergarten. Wow. She's a little baby, right? Yeah. yeah. Especially when you compare the next youngest branch is the Air Force, which is coming up, I think, on oh. its like 75th birthday kind of soon, if not past. I, I should know that. that. She's established. She's been around. And mm -hmm. uh, so the Space Force is now trying to become... It's tough to compare because it's not really an even comparison, but in the same way that the Navy supplies all the support for the Marines, but they're their own branch and they're still under right. the department, that's how the Space Force is likely going to function because they're both under the Department of the Air Force in the Department of Defense. So gotcha. you have the Air Force, which does Air Force operations and then the support for all those Air Force operations. You have all <laughs> operational um, sort of career paths and there's only like I want to say six or seven right now that are designated as like space force career paths and they're very similar to the ones typically in the air force so developmental engineering is one you'll see in the space force intel operations is another one um space operator is a very specific one that you don't see outside so space operations there's like three or four more i will just leave okay. that up but yeah. you're not going to see like a finance contracting medical like those are all things that we would go to an air force base to receive okay if you're at a space force base is like operations only basically unless yeah. you're getting yeah. like a converted air force base because there's been a couple especially in colorado because that's where a lot of the space force resources are concentrated to your question now the application process yeah. for me to enter the space force mm -hmm. was interesting so my sophomore spring so just last semester right at the beginning they kind of started floating around hey just take a note there will be an opportunity to apply for the space force and once you finalize your application, they'll consider you for a Space Force enrollment allocation, which is the EA, right? It's for field training, which marks your okay. kind of transition from phase one of ROTC to phase two, from underclassmen to upperclassmen, trainee to okay. trainer. So that happens sophomore summer. Right. And so I just, I was okay. one of the first people, I was actually the first to go through field training 2023, right? Okay. And so, for the Air Force, or for the Space Force, excuse me. Got it. But I, also for the Air Force, like okay. that was the first class yeah. of Air Force yeah. as well that went through it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But the application process, I want to say it was around January. Um, and it was interesting because like there, it was the first time they'd ever done this. And part of what made that a little bit complex was like the people that commissioned out of ROTC into the Space Force prior did not know they were going to be Space Force until they were either a senior no, until they were a senior, like wow. they get their yeah. career assignments. Uh, typically, their senior fall, 
Mm-hmm. So that's when you get notified, hey, you were selected to be a pilot, you were selected to be an intel officer, et cetera, right? And they were, yeah. hey, you're going Space Force and you get to be an X career path. And so our detachment is cool because USC is actually part of the uh, gosh, university partnership program. So there's, I think, 20 universities that are signed on to this. And basically it's this formal agreement of, hey, not only are the ROTC branches on campus going to work to integrate more with the campus for space, but the campus is going to come and meet them there and try and further integrate military and civilian space interest for the betterment of the Space Force. Because like you talk about how the Space Force is functioning, one of the things that brought me to it that I was interested in when I applied, Mm -hmm. it's the closest you're going to get to a civilian and contracting just because of how much happens outside of the Department of Defense. Because like think SpaceX, a lot of our launches of like military satellites, we're contracting out through them. Yeah. So uh, in like technology development, when you look at like MIT and Lincoln Labs, I'm trying to think who are the other people that we work with? We'll just, we'll leave it there. There's a ton of people yeah. that are not service members in uniform that are helping support the Space Force operations. Like you have a lot of contracting and government civilians. And so those are the people that are studying at USC right now. Like that could be you. You could be someone I contract. Right. 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 And so <laughs> they're like, hey, let's, Start that process now in the same way where our professors in class are like, hey, look around, you're going to be working with these people. Basically the same premise. I go on about Space Force application. It was weird. The application process was very interesting because like with a standard enrollment application process, you need uh, your area of OQT, which is the Air Force Officer Qualifying Test. It's like this five hour standardized test you have to take that measures your aptitude and uh, it's like verbal, mathematic, there's one other one, like leadership decision-making. It's also really important for pilots and stuff because there's a pilot section where they gauge some of your skill sets on whether or not you'd be well-suited for, say, like air battle management, a pilot, or a CISO, which is a combat systems officer, I think, operator. I forget what the O stands for. I was totally, like, eavesdropping on a conversation at Dulce, the cafe, the other day, Uh and there's this, like, pilot, like, ROTC pilot, like, talking about that test, and I was like, that sounds so intense, so that's funny we bring it up. It's interesting, because it's like, I don't know, I'm not too stressed out by standardized tests, generally, Mm -hmm. like, they kind of scratch my brain in a funny way, so, like, the ACT and SAT were not really... Yeah, <laughs> they're like, Good. I don't know, they're just, Run they feel it. like the container store. I don't know how, how else to explain that's it. Like, so, that's... I love the container store. So <laughs> right, that so makes I'm like, sense to me. That timer, sense. <laughs> like, that's, that's how standardized <laughs> tests feel. So when I went in, I was like, bubbles, timer, we. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> I had a great time. It's like a personality test almost. You have like 300 yeah. statements and you have to be like, agree, disagree, like kind of in between sort of. And there are all sorts of things that are supposed to kind of help figure out what career paths you, you're going to be more comfortable in. Kind of like the ASVAB. I don't know if you remember that mm-hmm. in high yeah. school. Yeah. yeah. Kind of same energy. So that section, and then you have a break, and then it's like all the rated stuff, which it's funny that they organize it that way, because then if you know you don't want to go rated, you kind of just fart around during that section. So like yeah. I had a friend who was like definitely not going to go pilot, right? So she was like, yeah. one of them is called uh, block counting, and it's this spatial awareness sort of exercise. And so they'll give you a set of blocks and they'll be like, tell us how many blocks are touching this block. And then you have to kind of visualize this three-dimensional thing that they're trying to communicate on a two-dimensional piece of paper. 
That's your standard EA. Okay. And then Space Force EA was really interesting because the main component, like, they're all kind of weighted fairly equally, like 20-10% between whichever one is more important. Mm-hmm. The Space Force one was like 60% interview. And you had to go oh. do this. And then everything else was like a 10%. So it was like PFA. So wait, when are you doing these tests in the timeline? Is this like during sophomore year? Right. So all your things are happening in that fall semester of your sophomore year. That's when everything's finalizing. So then with your Space Force EA, they told us that it was going to be available January okay. when we got back. And then the interview process, I want to say it was either January or February. I don't remember. So uh, yeah, and then they gave us this pie chart because it's all stuff formally released by ROTC, right? So there's this pie chart of all the things that matter for your application. And there's just this fat chunk that's devoted to the interview. And we're like, yeah what's the interview? Because that's not something, yeah, we're like, we're, we don't have to do that for Air Force. What is that? Oh my God. And everything else is kind of these little, little slippers. And they're like, well, you're going to do an yeah, online interview, uh-huh. self-recorded and submit. And that's going to be a big, important part of your application. And we're like, say what now? And so, yeah, so this interview, it was just kind of like this, but if you weren't there and then there were just prompts uh, so it would like ask you a question and give you like 10 seconds, 15, 20 seconds to prepare. And then you get two minutes to respond and mm-hmm. then you get the next question. And it took me, I want to say like 30 minutes. I was sitting there and like right. business casual, just like talking to myself in my dorm room. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was like yeah. the biggest section that they evaluated for whether or not you go Space Force. And the questions I think kind of speak to why it was so important because they were asking like, about your leadership and followership experiences. When was the time that you failed and how did you recover? What brings you to the Space Force? Like, why are you excited about it? What space experience do you have? And so I was talking about, you know, like UPP and all that. I-5 is another thing that started at the Academy. It's basically like um, space support in these commissioning sources while you're still waiting to figure out, hey, am I going space? Am I not going space? How can I spread the word about space? All these things. I'll be real, Space Force is kind of a joke because people don't really know what the point is. You know, it kind of just looks like Star Trek. And some people to this day, like, still ask, like, our officers were telling us at field training. Some people still think we're going to go fight aliens on Mars, right? It's just not what the Space Force does at all. Uh, And so, like, I-5 is to try and help make more concrete and accessible what the Space Force is going to be doing. Um, So I was talking about all those touch points that I have for Space Force. I almost like that. That they that ask was, about like you and yeah, it's no, they get to see was, and hear your voice. Like I feel like USC kind of has more of that approach as well um, in their applications. Yes. And I think that's a good sign for programs. Mm-hmm. So yeah. No, it was really interesting. And I was like, this even speaks to like this this whole process, the fact that this is so important speaks to already like why I was interested right, in the branch. Right. Where I was like, they seem like cool <laughs> and I wanna be part of this cool yeah. thing. Because filtering was cool because it was kind of the first time where I was in a space specific environment because we were the first ever space force flight in field training history. Oh, that's yeah. nice. very cute. For the, they called us the pancake flight. You know how you cook the ah, first pancake yeah. in a little wonky. That was us. That. <laughs> so we were kind of going through it. They were kind of beta testing everything that they're going to do more so and improve for mm-hmm. three and five. It was neat because it was the first time we were in like a space force specific mm-hmm. environment. So all of our uh, field training officers, the people training us, space force, our squadron commander and our deputy squadron commander, they were all Space Force and they helped kind of bring further context, like a big portion of it in the second phase. They kind of split it up into technically four phases, but it's really two big phases for field training. So it's like the first week and the second week, basically. First week is like 
assessments. So like your physical health, they run another test to make sure you should be at field training if you fail and you get kicked, which is kind of yeah, terrible. scary. That's how they run it. Uh, knowledge stuff. So like all the things that you're supposed to have studied before you get there, there's a drill assessment that they run to make sure that you have, you know, command presence and drill comprehension, all these things. So they test you and they prepare you to deploy, which was more for Air Force than mm -hmm. us, right? And you're going through Air Force ROTC, like what I talked about your first year, you're learning like Air Force history and right. culture. You are the history. Which as a Space Force Select, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> as a Space Force Select, that's good to know because we'll be working closely with the Air Force, sure. And a lot of joint environment actually for the Space Force because you're gonna be basically providing space assets for every branch. Um, but I don't know anything about the Space Force getting into the Space Force, which doesn't right. really work. So one of the big things they wanted to bring to field training was, what the hell is the Space Force? What do they do? What what are they trying to do in the future? How does it work? And breaking down like each of the like specialties basically in space operations. So then if I'm like coming into space my first day and they're like, do you know how electromagnetic warfare functions and you know the four basic orbits? I'm like, I know what an F-16 is. <laughs> Not super helpful, right? right? So our deployment was essentially to like a two days straight of like briefings or lectures essentially on all the things that the Space Force is supposed to do. And then once we had been exposed to that, not necessarily familiarized because it was a lot of content really fast yeah. at four in the morning sometimes, oh you know, so like training days go 4 a.m. to 8 p.m. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Okay. but eight hours of sleep technically, you know, they, they take oh, good care yeah. of us. <laughs> But uh, so after you did those first two days of briefings after the Air Force kids left, it was wargaming and scenarios that we would run on like how we would operate in a space environment. So you like uh, crew change. This is not this is kind of details, yeah. right? So we got our simulations of what working in the field essentially would translate to because we're never going to be running around shooting guns. Not that the Air Force really does, but it's it's worked for them in the past. So they that's how they right. do their stuff. But for us, we changed it to make it more yeah. applicable. So you're doing five years, right? So first, are you getting a master's? That is the goal right now. We'll see. Because what's cool about that with Air Force ROTC scholarship yeah. program is there's a kind of a short list of all the majors that qualify for five years. And that's just to get your undergraduate degree. They'll be like, hey, you know what? You're doing Air Force ROTC. You're doing an engineering degree or like a really complex medical degree or something like that, like biochem, I think might qualify. It's usually your technical or STEM degrees. Excuse me. And uh, you might be working, et cetera, right? You're trying to be a good student. So as a little favor, you can go five years. We'll cover that fifth year. It just means you owe it back when you're okay. right? And so my aerospace engineering is one of the ones that qualifies. I think Mackie, you know, yeah. all those. So I was like, great. That's no skin off my back. I was probably planning on not just getting out at four. Yeah. Real. Uh, I'll take the fifth year. It's covered under my scholarship. Why not? And the cool thing at USC, progressive degree program, might be able to throw on a master's cool. the only thing is i have to be taking undergraduate credits throughout those five years so i just have to save a couple before yeah. i just ah, good because i'm no longer an undergraduate student right. and that would remove my scholarship so freshman year i was like word i'm gonna get a master's and <laughs> now i'm kind of like weighing my options i want to see if i can get a non technical masters while I'm still here because I know progressive degree program I haven't really I need to talk to people about this like listen my career or like my academic yeah. counselor and then I have another touch point my counselor within my RTC cadre um, of just like what is available because one of the things that they've 
spoke to us at field training about and I've heard it from like kind of the speakers that we have come to our debt as well. A technical background is very important. It teaches you how to think and approach problem solving in a very valuable uh, and, and uh, critical way, right? Breaking things down, identifying knowns and unknowns, figuring out the relationships between them. This method of thought mm -hmm. is very important and valuable to the Space Force and Air Force. Great. However, comma, <laughs> that's one way to think. And if we have a lot of people going to force with one way that they think, we are going to have giant blind spots, which we cannot afford at all. The people that work in the Space Force are intimately acquainted with the way that it is contested and, you know, heading towards becoming a very important war fighting right. Uh And so there were a lot of discussions of, like, the potential assets that are being developed in our near peer adversaries, right? So main ones, China mm -hmm. and Russia, right? And so when you talk about how critical it is that we have the best people and the best assets um, in our space force, you say this a lot, actually. So the chief of staff of the Air Force is General Charles Cuban Jr. He's actually an ROTC grad, fun fact. And there is a note on his desk at the Pentagon that says, war with Russia or China could happen today. It could happen today. And the most likely place for it to start it's not on the ground. You might see it in the South China Sea, just with the tensions that are yeah. developing over there. But the primary warfighting domain that we're expecting in the future, there's a reason the Space Force was stood up, is space. Whoa. Our uh, satellite communications, um, basically all the infrastructure that relies on an internet connection, right? GPS is a great example. That's a military mm -hmm. asset that is open source or open access. Excuse me. If someone starts contesting <laughs> the space domain, right? and engaging in hostile operations, every element of our infrastructure could be threatened. So when we think about having a bunch of people in the Space Force that only have a technical background and the way that they think, and then they completely miss something that may be a humanities, someone who's uh, trained in a different thought process, right. right, could catch. We can't afford to have that homogenized, right? right? Which makes so sense. I was like, okay, like, word. let's do something fun. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I'm going to get my technical background because mm -hmm. that's important. And I would like to have the, you know, subject matter expertise to move because my goal is to become a uh, ooh, developmental engineer. Okay. So that's the people that are doing research and development for the Space Force. And that's, you know, working with contractors, evaluating if the things they say that their product can do will actually do it for gotcha. the military because sometimes they be saying things that are not yep. going to happen and you have to call them <laughs> on it, right? Uh, so that's kind of where okay. I want to go. And I need a technical background to do that. However, comma, I would also like to be the person that is trained in a different method of thought so that I can be of a, a greater use, not only as just a human being, because that's, yeah. that's valuable to be able to kind of take on different lenses, right? But also in the interest of the Space Force and national security, it's way more helpful to have multiple lenses that I can apply to a problem. Right. So I want to get like a sociology master's or something cool. like that. And I don't know if that's something I can do right. with see, but that's what I would Right. Do. Oh, that's epic. Good answer. Um, and of course, yeah. <laughs> would you go to space if the opportunity arose? <sighs> that's a good question. I don't know. I probably, right. because I mean, I mean, who does? <laughs> which a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> like, space is cool. If there was ever, like, when you talk about um, 
Artemis, right. the project they're currently working on mm -hmm. to get to the moon. And, you know, cislunar, all those things, like what if the moon becomes another domain that the Space Force becomes responsible for, right? Because right now, the way they kind of separated it for us was NASA looks out and treats it, you know, as an exploratory scientific discovery sort of domain. And Space Force looks in from the outermost orbits around Earth, right? And is protecting those assets and then the people on the ground. I like that. Interesting. So, yeah. No, it was very helpful because I was like, oh, word, that's, that's really helpful. I'm going to just take that because I didn't really know how to separate them. Yeah. But then what if the moon becomes something we also have to look right. in at, right? Because I was looking at mining there. We're looking at trying to get something permanently situated there. And I'm sure other nations will follow, right? Right now, Space Force is not sending people yeah. to space at all. That's just not part of the mm -hmm. mission set, but maybe. Okay, okay, good to know. All right, so we made it to the last two questions. Um, these are ones that I ask everyone. So first off is, what is okay. the most meaningful connection you've made within your professional life so far and why? Mm. That's really interesting. You know, it's probably one of my, this is going to be really funny because if you listen to this podcast, it's going to be, head's going to swell. So. I'm trying to think about how I'm going to frame this effectively. Finn Garrigan, name drop, we'll just name yeah, drop for so. now. Uh, we have like moved through this program from very similar starting points, I will say. Like, same major department, took a lot of classes together freshman year. We're in the same, like, so the way that training runs at our debt, we're in a flight. So we have to like think of it like a team project that meets usually twice a week, three yeah. times a week. Uh, and you run exercise in, in a lab, right? That's leadership laboratory every week. And so we've been in the same flight three out of my four semesters. Oh, wow. <laughs> we've worked together for yeah. a while, right? We, we were in the same one my first semester. And then after that, we've been in the same flight, which initially was very challenging because while we have uh, very similar, I would say, values of like developing high competence, uh, leading effectively, following effectively, mm -hmm. all these things where I would draw us as peers, uh, we kind of have inverse <laughs> strengths and weaknesses in a way where like you I think you've you've engaged with Finn before, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. A little yeah. at least a little bit. So he, we talk about like being a bro or yeah. something you're here a little bit in RTC of just like no like meeting people where they're at, being able to build a connection that's authentic and effective, right? And like uh, engaging with people in a way that fosters yeah. team building. That's an important skill he has it i have to practice it because for me like uh my strong suit is like the professionalism the military bearing is something that we talk about a lot like being able to project confidence even when you don't feel it and also to maintain a level of high professionalism in a variety of environments right that comes very naturally to me i can lock it on very quickly where i am stoic and not very expressive and i am operating yeah. right that I've that had I to learn do. that but like, I am so bubbly mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's where we kind of counterbalance right where like that was easy for me and not very easy for him because his ability to connect and emote and bring people in and stuff would often weaken that right and my inability to connect <laughs> and emote in a professional environment made me come off as like really cold and almost like unapproachable and so one of the really valuable professional connections that I've had is working with him and we've kind of like basically brought each other away from the poles mm -hmm. that we started at 
which is really interesting. Oh, I love so, that. like, we didn't get along. Yeah. Well. Actually, I will own that. It was mostly me. I think I just didn't really like him at first because it kind of felt like I was competing and mm. losing because he was good at something that I wasn't. And we hadn't quite gotten to the point where my strong suit was as actually that's kind of a lie because I was I was receiving recognition for my abilities. It was just me being mad that yeah. he was good at something that I wasn't. Yeah. I'll be real with you. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> like so fair. And those are the so, best types of friendship. Frenemies, frenemies to friends. Right. Yeah. Like we we got for real, and it was quite the saga. And like I remember getting our fight assignments in the spring of my mm-hmm. freshman year and being like. I literally cannot escape this man. He's in all my classes. We're in the same fight now. Like, I'm just going to oh, see him every day. Awesome. And I was, like, kind of dreading yeah. it. But after that first semester, and, like, we went into... I was had the same experience in the, in the fall of my sophomore year where I was like, what are you kidding? <laughs> it's, it's again, yeah. right? And so I was like, but it's been really, really valuable. Yeah. And I feel like had I not worked with him, learned from him, and maybe even, like, exchanged some lessons, right? Because I think... I've helped a little yeah. bit, maybe. Uh, when I got to field training, that was still, it's still something I have to work on. And it was one of the primary, uh, like, constructive criticisms that I would get from both my peers and my leadership of, like, hey, girl, <laughs> sometimes you lock it on a lot <laughs> and you got to learn, like, find a gradient of, like, professionalism and also just, like, connecting with yeah. people because you're kind of getting in your own way. And... I came into ROTC very much. I was like, this is a job. I'm here to work. I'm being paid. So I'm going to come in for my required hours and I'm going home. And so I wouldn't go to like the morale events or like socialize much. I was pretty withdrawn. (laughs) You can't do that. And I really thought I could. I was so convinced. I was like, this is a job. I can treat a job. I can not engage at all. And it just, it doesn't work. Especially if you want to be an effective like teammate and like peer-to-peer leadership, especially like trying to just be good at your job as opposed to like a good person <laughs> you literally cannot win I yeah you. I tried yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Good to know. It was, that was probably like a really important and very valuable professional yeah and personal yeah. connection too. oh that's awesome yeah. well you know who I'm emailing next now we're gonna get him on <laughs> oh yeah drag him on, on here, here. He'll probably be so it. helpful. Okay, yeah. and lastly is advice you'd give your 16-year-old self. Yeah, so 16, I was in my junior year of high school. That was COVID, all that. Um, I don't think I would have made it to the end of my junior year if COVID had not happened, mm-hmm. full disclosure, because I was taking many AP classes. Um, I was running for student government at my high school. I was on the performing dance team at my high school, and I was on a competitive team at a dance studio. And I was like this far away on the Friday, because it was like that March 13th mm-hmm. or whatever that they called the first yep. two week uh, like yep. stay home. This close from a mental breakdown, I'm like a serious one. Yep. <laughs> like I was, I was barely holding it together. And I remember like getting home from school that day and being like, I don't know how I'm going to get through next week. I know I'm going to get through it, but I don't know how. And then at like 4 p.m., I had been home for like two hours. They were like, hey, uh, stay home from school for two weeks. I was like, God, praise me, because what was I going to do? <laughs> you know? Um, and so coming out of that junior year, like, I still do this thing. And when I went into my senior year, did I learn? 
not really. Because I, I just, I like to pile mm-hmm. it on and test how much I can handle at a time. Bit of a, bit of a struggle, but you know, wrapped it up, got to college, did the same <laughs> thing. I was doing ROTC, hard classes, and then I was trying to have a social life. And I really thought that was sustainable. And it, spoiler alert, was like not. And again, like, I do this and it doesn't end horribly. So I do it again. Yep. You know, every time. So like, um, my freshman spring was trying to be more social and then ROTC got more demanding. Came back in the fall. I was like, I'll do student government. I have time. <laughs> That's so big. <laughs> Everything you're saying, I almost, I was crying in the car because I was so tired junior year of high school. And then now look right. at me in the same thing. I keep, I keep I doing it, and yeah. it keeps not going horribly enough for me to stop. Yeah, I haven't learned, and so I think what I would tell her would be like, hey, this is, you're going to keep doing this, and honestly, like, I feel like it keeps proving that I have, I haven't hit my limit yet, I guess. I get close to it every time. I get really, really close to it every time, but I think I wish I would have known that I didn't have to do it by myself because, oh my God, college is designed where you cannot do it Mm -hmm. by yourself. And I think going through high school, I learned, but no one taught me this explicitly. I learned for myself, from my experiences that like, I was capable of succeeding on my own for the most part. Like I was usually the person that people would ask for help in class as opposed to ask for help or ask someone else for help. I, big one, asking confirmation questions instead of open-ended ones. So I would have the right idea and I would ask the teacher to verify as opposed to asking an open-ended question because I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. The amount of open-ended questions I have had to ask in college <laughs> Me too. has been painful. Me, was the person people would go to. Now I'm like, what the heck is going on? Right. This is so helpful yeah. to know someone who's so like-minded now because. Happy, happy to talk yeah. about it because, oh my God, it has been such, yeah. a, such a learning yeah. curve. But like, so when I came out of high school, I had paired solo and success mm. to the point where if I didn't succeed by myself, it didn't feel like success. Yeah. Which is crazy because if you succeed, right. you succeed. Absolutely. Right? And I think even now, like it's something that I have to kind of be very aware of how I'm thinking mm-hmm. about a team task. Because if I don't feel like I'm contributing enough, I feel like I'm failing, even if we succeed. Yeah. And uh, trying to do college alone the first like year, year and a half, I would say, because I think this spring was like really when I was ask for help, ask for help, whatever, ask for help every time, (laughs) go to office hours, ask your friends, like, and part of it was I literally just could not, like, dynamics, drag her, could not do that by myself, right, I wish I would have failed more in Mm -hmm. high school, no hate to my high school, like, I was trying to be academically challenged, and, you know, there were a couple, but it just, it didn't drive it home enough that, like, failure was more of just, like, a comma instead of a period, right, where you, you, you kind of just keep going, and it felt like a capital F failure every time I had a a mistake yeah. or, or like, like a not a, a perfect yeah. success you know yeah. right I'm like how is that a failure girl that doesn't start with an f like <laughs> please keep going yep. yep please keep going it's not gonna stop you right yeah I think the main things I would tell myself at 16 would be like you're gonna keep overloading until uh what is it we just talked about in mechanics and materials or whatever 
there's like yield stress versus oh failure. yeah yeah you're gonna be I bending, like my yield not. stress i hit yeah yeah hitting yield stress every semester <laughs> we can go back because we're not permanently deformed right <laughs> well you are gonna hit that right there every that time the best analogy every time yes <laughs> yeah yeah so that was one thing i think i would say and then like success does not have to be done by yourself in fact i'd prefer if you didn't succeed alone because you'll learn more other people will learn more it'll be a lot less stressful and you're still succeeding like it still counts yeah. basically if you don't succeed by yourself it yeah. still counts right beautiful beautiful yeah. oh my gosh you're so well spoken thank you so much i think we have some similar i don't things we're working on it. and just like yes. overall <laughs> you're a fun person too so thank yes. you so much i think, so. I think yeah. the same. yeah enjoy your summer rest thank you Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Space Spiels. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a fellow space nerd and follow us and rate the podcast. It really helps us out. Tune in for new episodes every Monday. I'll talk to you next week.